to see, you know, the little sparkle in people's eyes when they get it. That's my drug. I really love it. Hello and welcome to the Science for Societal Progress podcast. For this episode, I talk with Elodie Chabrol about her work as a science communicator and her main project, Pint of Science. And if you want more information, don't forget to check out the show notes on our website, www.scienceforprogress.eu. It includes a summary and resources for further reading. I decided to leave this episode in more of a conversational tone. If you like this, you might be interested in checking out our Patreon account, where I post the whole conversations with my guests, www.patreon.com slash sciforprogress. I'm your host, Dennis Eckmeyer, and you're listening to episode 25 of the Science for Societal Progress podcast. My name is Elodie Chabrol and I'm a freelance science communicator. So most of my time I spend it organizing the Pint of Science Festival uh, with different countries and France as well. And I also do some of the things um, that basically are all science communication. So I'm training some scientists sometimes. Uh, sometimes I give talks, etc., uh, etc. Et do you have a scientific background? Yes, I do, actually. I, I did a PhD in Paris. And then I did uh, nine more years of research in London. Uh, well, seven years in London and nine more years in total. So um, I'm a neuroscientist and I worked on epilepsy before. And uh, I left research not long ago, actually, only uh, summer 2017. Oh, so I have quite, oh interesting. Yeah, I have quite <laughs> a long background in science. Yeah, actually. yeah, interesting. Uh, this is great. Uh, I'm, I'm also realizing that... Uh, even if I don't plan it, I still end up with neuroscientists. Uh, <laughs> I'm a neuroscientist myself. Um, We're everywhere. Suzanne, yeah, Suzanne Lehmburg is a neuroscientist. And so is my co-host, Bart Gurton, by the way. And of course, there are some that I knew from before, yeah. and that's why they're neuroscientists, but they also go into a science communication. So that's a really interesting phenomenon, I must say. What what made you transfer or transition into science communication? What what is your what are your goals with your communication? And uh, yeah, so I think at the start I didn't really realize the the power of science communication and and the need for that. So I just basically I started my second postdoc, so second uh, science work at UCL, and I got that email from uh, the people starting to organize Pint of Science. It was really, really fresh. And they were looking for volunteers to organize the festival. And I always loved organizing things. So I just said, oh, I would be super up for it. And I was supposed to organize a, a brain bar, so just a bar, three nights about brain. And actually, I called at the just at the moment someone that was organizing the whole university, uh, so coordinating everyone just quit. And I was working at that university, and they offered me to do that. So I got the the opportunity to actually um, be in the central team, you know, and really co-organize Pint of Science and co-create it. And After that first uh, pint of science, so 2013, I realized I really loved it. And it was always kind of part of me, the science communication. But I think I just needed to be part of pint of science to realize that. Because, you know, I'm a scientist and I've always been trying to talk about my science uh, and my research to people around that 
are not always scientists and I always got weird reactions like, oh, you know, uh, it's going to be too complicated. I, I don't want to hear what you do. Or people always think you do something, you know, um, but it's not really what you do. And you just want to explain to them. But sometimes it gets difficult. And I think I was frustrated of that. And it was always inside of me. And now I'm doing science communication. It's actually one of my uh, my, my fuel, you know, the, the, the need to actually be sure scientists can share their stories. And there is no uh, cliche on scientists being, you know, not approachable and science being too complicated to be explained. Yeah, that, that's a good good reason <laughs> to do it, I think. Um, yeah. I, I, I myself still struggle with this because um, people always say, oh, jargon is bad because people don't understand it and you just are just trying to sound smart but i must say jargon is very useful it's very practical because you have all these concepts packed into a word uh, that doesn't uh, the concepts don't exist in the experience of everyday people who are not scientists so it's really hard to always have to describe the concept instead of just saying the word that you know is meant to mean the exact concept, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does make sense. It's it's a bit it's work actually. It's it's it can be a lot of work, but once you manage to say the things the right way, it's just magical to see you know the little the little uh, sparkle in people's eyes when they get it. That that's my drug. I really love it. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so when you realize that people wouldn't necessarily understand what you're trying to say, or they even immediately say, no, I will not understand it. So just don't even start. Um, did you did you try to figure out how to do the communication better? Did, did you look up books or, or how to's on how to do science communication or did you just jump in and join Pint of Science and, and try on the job in quotes? <laughs> so I was, I did it before. So basically I didn't read books or anything, but for years I wanted to talk about my science. So basically I've tried on everyone that was basically saying, no, I don't want to hear from it. Or, you know, it's going to be too complicated. I was like, okay, Give me two minutes and I will try. So basically, I've been trying for years. It's just I think I didn't realize I was doing that. And that was science communication. It's just that for me, it was just me trying to talk to people. And, and you know, you're just learning like, the first time you're not doing quite correctly and you see people don't get it. So you have to re-explain and re-explain until one day you arrive to actually know how to talk about things to, to the public and to, to someone that is not a scientist. So then it just becomes natural. And when you listen to scientists sometimes speaking, you realize this isn't, this isn't supposed to be said or, you know, you should say like that. And the more you do it, the more it becomes like something you always, you know, think uh, when someone's talking, when a scientist is talking. For example, I was um, doing my, um, you know, the lab meetings. So basically uh, the meetings where everyone in the lab is is there. And I, it was a really big lab. So lots of people were doing different things. And I was always super frustrated because most of the time I wasn't getting anything they were saying. And I was thinking, I'm a scientist. I'm working with them in their lab, but I'm just doing another field. And they cannot even reach out to me 
how can they reach out to anyone, even, you know, um, when you apply for grants, you know, for fundings, for fellowships, for things like that, people are not exactly in your field. So it's something that we need in science, not just to do communication to the public, but science. That's actually something that I realized myself too, that uh, even if you think you're communicating within your field, when you write a grant, for example, um, uh, you can make it too difficult for the reviewers to understand when they're not exactly using the same methods or are not familiar with the tools or with your approach. So uh, yeah, I, I completely understand that problem. I actually also had similar um, situations in lab meetings <laughs> yeah exactly so i think it just i learned how to do it and then when i did point of science i just used everything i learned all this year without realizing i was learning that actually mm -hmm. so it was more like a, a natural yes. transition thing yes and a, a conscious decision to yes. okay i'm trying to learn psychom now yes okay <laughs> so how do you how do you apply that now uh, i know that you're doing several different psychom projects Yes. So, um, well, Pint of Science first. So we, we are organizing. So usually I give talks to explain what Pint of Science is, but I also do some uh, science communication. So sometimes uh, podcasts on science or radio shows where, you know, I need to talk about the science news or things like that. Uh, but I also started training scientists for Pint of Science. So having little meetings before the Pint of Science Festival to basically just have them gather in a room that usually is a pub. Uh, so they, they see how it's going to be, you know, the, the, the atmosphere and then see with them what they wanted to do and give them a bit of, um, you know, background of the, the, the festival and tips on how to do better. Um, because sometimes, um, some of them, it's it's the first time that they do it, so they think it's going to be okay, it's going to be like my live meeting, but except I'm going to be a bit more careful, but they realize they have 10 graphs in their presentation and it's not possible. And Or, you know, they, they just don't know how to present to the public, they'll be afraid because they think people are not going to listen or they're not going to necessarily pay attention because they are in a pub. So usually I just put them in situation and I show them, you know, people are going to listen and you just have to be careful to avoid, for example, graphs, jargon, uh, you know, how to think it better. If you need to use a word, just try to explain it good. Um, things like that. So basically, those are my main projects. And I'm also um, doing uh, on the side some um, training for scientists um, to do communication. So, for example, um, pitch, you know, like very short, uh, very short presentations uh, of science. Um, so of their research, like three minute thing. Um, I was a jury in uh, my thesis in 180 seconds uh, last year. Uh, for the semi-final, so basically it's a it's a competition where PhDs have to talk about their um, thesis in less than three minutes. That was actually a really great experience because uh, you know, or they were fifty six in a day to judge. So I've seen fifty six PhDs. It was super intense, but it was really good because you see so many things uh, in science communication and and so many situations. You know, it's really good and you learn lots of things with them and hopefully you give them back as well some uh, some tips and everything. So either to be better for the final or to be better in general if they want to continue. Mm -hmm. 
so that's basically everything I'm doing. Okay. Um, may I ask how you earn your living? Ah, uh, yes, I'm a freelancing a freelancer. So uh, part of it is point of science, and the rest is usually uh, with you know. Uh, Either communication agencies uh, that take me for training um, scientists, or uh, what else? Well, I yeah, and I do a lot of social media as well. Uh -huh. um, so I do trainings for scientists uh, to use mainly Twitter, um, but I can help some science companies as well to define their uh, social media strategies and things mm. like that. So that I do freelance as well for that. Oh, cool. It's all very new for me because, you know, I was still a scientist a year and a half ago. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm trying to see which projects I can, I can basically work on and uh, what I can do to help uh, scientists. Basically, everything is about getting science out, mm -hmm. either on social media or like uh, in live events or things, huh. uh, anything. Because I just uh, left academia myself. This is maybe yeah. a personally... Uh, motivated question uh, was it easy for you to uh, to find these uh, gigs where you go and, and teach people how to do science communication did you find that so, easy? yes and no um so it wasn't easy in a way that i left uh, research a year and a half ago but for four years i was a postdoc and i was doing pint of science mm -hmm. at the same time so so, yes, at the same time. So, basically, it's like I had two jobs for four years. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was easy because the transition was quite smooth, actually. I started, right. you know, coming back to France, giving lots of talks for Pint of Science, talking about Pint of Science, and it's quite respected now. So, people know what I've done. But all the things I've done for science communication were basically while I had my job. Uh, still, I was a researcher, so basically, it was a double full-time thing. Mm -hmm. um, wow. So it was easy, but it's because I've but also not so easy. much work. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so when people ask me if it's easy or not, it's really hard to say because actually, it was easy as soon as I left academia. It was mm -hmm. quite smooth. Right. But it, it was so much work before, especially the first years of Pint of Science. You know, when you're creating something. Um, the first year in UK was amazing, and then I created France, and it was completely new, and it was still um, not well known. People didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. It was just a one-time thing in the UK, so it was really, really hard. It was lots of nights not sleeping, you know, oh, wow. preparing festivals, <laughs> stressing out, be like making sure everything was fine. Yeah. So now it's much more. It's it's much smoother uh, when it opens in a new country. People usually sometimes hurt from it so mm -hmm. they are happy it's it's opening but the start was very a lot of work um so yes and no <laughs> i actually know some of the organizers for the pint of science in portugal in lisbon Ooh. yeah <laughs> but uh, it's it's funny because everywhere i go i feel like people are telling me oh but i know some organizers or i know some people that did some talks or you know it's just always connected like oh yeah pint of science i heard from it <laughs> uh, actually if you have time for one funny anecdote of course <laughs> uh, the, the day i realized pint of science was really big uh it was not long ago uh you know it just i'm i'm so much working always on pint of science that sometimes it's hard to step back and realize you know how big it became mm -hmm. but basically my my boyfriend was uh was in uh hong kong with 
his Pint of Science Front t-shirt. Mm-hmm. And he was in a hotel in a completely full lift and a lady came to him and asked where he got his t-shirt from so he said oh you know it's from pint of science a festival blah 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 i started pitching it and she said no no uh, i know what it is you know i'm a huge fan in australia <laughs> fantastic but i just wanted to know where you got your t-shirt <laughs> so basically it was uh it was in hong kong where a french pint of science t-shirt and an australian fan asked him where i got his t-shirt <laughs> and he told me that i was like yeah we are everywhere yeah that's the, oh that's really great <laughs> yeah, that was, that was the, pretty, the the funniest one. I was like, "Whoa, okay, yeah, that's a lot of nationalities all together." <laughs> okay, um, so you already uh, we've actually already talked about find of science a lot, but uh, there are probably still people out there who don't know it. So would you would you just explain what it is? So, Pint of Science is a festival that happens every May uh, during three nights from Monday to Wednesday, mid-May mm-hmm. sometimes. So not exactly set dates, but depends on the year. Uh, the idea is to basically take science to the public. So we are taking scientists, we are putting them in bars and pubs, and they have to explain their research to the public. And we started in the UK in 2014, and this year we're going to be in 24 countries oh, wow. over the world. Yeah, that's and that's. That's significant. That's that's crazy. And last year, so the numbers of 2018, basically in three nights in the world, we had uh, 120,000 people. Wow. So, yeah, that's pretty big. big. So it's great because it's covering all kinds of science. Uh, Basically, every country has a website. You can find all the details on pintofscience.com, which is the international website. And... We are covering lots of different science. We are trying to be in every city. It's it's getting bigger and bigger in every country every year because the first year we are settling and then we are reaching smaller cities uh, year by year. You know, we are increasing. So this is quite great. Uh, and we are almost everywhere. So um, America, South America, uh, Europe, uh, Russia, Asia and South Africa. So we're nice. really trying to go everywhere, yeah. not just Europe. Or you know, really, really trying. Well, this is this is really great. Um, so, what are the dates for this year? So this year we are the twentieth to the twenty second of May. Okay, so everybody knows that they should look out for their local kind of science uh, festival, so that they can yeah. have a beer and learn something. <laughs> exactly, and on social media, if you look for us, we're hashtag pint nineteen. Every year, we need a, a new hashtag because we are flooding the social media during uh, ah, during yeah. the festival. So if you want to have like fresh posts of this year, it's Pint 19. Okay. So it was Pint 18 if you want to see last year's mm-hmm. uh, festival. But yeah, this year it's Pint 19. And you're on Twitter, of course, uh, and also yes. on Instagram? Yes. So most of the countries uh, are on Instagram, not all of them. But all of them are on Twitter and on Facebook. Uh, we also have the international account, that is Pints World, that basically shares everything about everyone. So we're trying to really uh, show what's happening everywhere in the world. So it's going to go crazy in May. <laughs> <laughs> I know that we're going to have lots of different things. Um, 
usually we tend to have uh, local scientists because we want to share what's happening around people. It's quite nice, you know, you walk in front of a science institute every day. It's quite nice to go and have a drink with a scientist that works next to your house or next to your work. Uh, so I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but uh, I just know that we're going to have many, many different subjects. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be nice. You always find something cool, actually. So you mentioned that you started uh, working with a Pint of Science uh, pretty early when they just started. So yeah. is is this the sixth year of Pine of Science? So it's the seventh year in UK ah, and okay. sixth year internationally. Mm -hmm. How how did it all start? Do you uh, you you've been in the UK when it started, if I understood yeah. that right? Um, yeah. So so did you learn how the so but you weren't a founding member if i understood that right no so no. Do, do you know how the the founders started so the founders are um michel mutskin and pravin paul two scientists and basically um they did some uh, open lab day where they received patients uh, with neuro <laughs> neurodegenerative disease and they realized they really loved being there and seeing all the lab and all the things happening and all the science. The thing is, they also realized that it is a pain to get the public in labs because of the security, because of uh, so many things, you know, you don't get to get lots of people in the lab. So they just thought, you know, instead of bringing people to the lab, why not bring the lab to people? Mm -hmm. And obviously it's the UK. So they thought, you know, what's the place that is a bit like home? The pub. <laughs> so they thought, okay, let's bring scientists to the pub. The thing is, um, of course, that's not, this idea is not new. You know, mm -hmm. we had science in bars since forever in cafes. It was like, you know, uh, centuries actually. But the different thing is that Pint of Science was designed as a really as a music festival. You know, lots of music different things. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a bit like music festival. You know, lots of different scenes. Same times. You have to pick because you know you have only three days mm -hmm. and so many things to see. So kind of celebrating science in that way. So this is why it's it's could be frustrating because you know you have only three nights. You cannot go to all the talks. But it's nice because it's it's a big moment and you have to pick your favorite one and you go and and it's it's the same so the same same three nights all over the world actually uh, as well. Some people ask me sometimes if it's a bit different. Mm -hmm. um, so this is how it was created. So at the start of Pint of Science, I think we were 100% scientists doing it. So let's just be clear: we were really stressed <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because <can> <laughs> you know none of us, uh, yeah, none of us had any, you know, marketing organization, any, any, any kind of uh, experience. You know, I just had organized my wedding, so this is the biggest um, oh. organizing experience I had, mm -hmm. which was quite crazy. You know, because when you go down to lo lots of details, you actually realize uh, event planning is is the same you know uh whatever you organize mm. uh so it was crazy we we basically just made sure it happened 
and made sure it was good, you know, everything. We had a bit of um, merchandise to distribute. We got it the morning before, you know. <laughs> it was just everything was last minute because we were just figuring out how to do it at the yeah. same time we were doing it, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, we didn't know if it would be just a one-off or if it, if it would be more than that and everything. So basically, after the, the success, we had uh, 3,400 people the first year. Oh, wow. Uh, first in, year, 3,000 people. Yeah, it was crazy in, in three cities. So it was three cities, three nights, 3,000 and something people. Wow. Exactly. So we were like, oh, wow, that was good. <laughs> You really hit a what nerve there. <laughs> exactly. What do we do now? What do we do with that? Uh, it's not a one-off for sure. So what's the direction now? And the thing is, I'm French and I really love Pint of Science. So I tried to get Pint of Science to go international because mm -hmm. I really thought at that time, you know, it's amazing doing that in one country. But if we could have that at lots of different places at the same time, how amazing would that be? Yeah. And just after that meeting, I created the Facebook page for Pint of Science Runs. So basically, <laughs> that's the birth of Pint of Science Runs. And we decided, okay, why not go international? Mm -hmm. So this is how it's, it's spread to other countries. Oh, good. Um, is, there, is there anything else you want to talk to about that you didn't get to mention yet? Or um, There's something I, I can add for sure. Um, is that... Uh, science communication, for I think, is really important for so many reasons. Um, you know, when you're a scientist, uh, your point of view is that it's good to train, to talk to not just scientists that are doing exactly the same thing as you. I think it's also good sometimes to step back from your project and, you know, see the big picture and learn how to, to talk about it to not just the public, but to anyone that is not the nose on it and very, very uh, familiar with all the details. And I think it's it's really something we should all do and more and more uh, fundings are actually asking for it. So I would say, you know, if, if you're not sure, you can always try Pint of Science and we have guidelines. We are reassuring you on how to do it and, and we're really trying to make sure you're, you're going to know. So basically we send you a document before the, the festival and if you read it correctly, there is all the tools to do a good science uh, communication evening. And uh, from all the, um, the the speakers I've talked to, they were all super happy. Even some said that they did it, but they were not sure at the start, and they just loved it. And some of them wants to do want to do more science communication. So, if you're a scientist, really jumping, it's amazing. Uh, if you're a young scientist, a PhD, and you're not sure what you want to do later, I think it's good a good opportunity to try. Uh, either a pint of science or something else, you know, a podcast, anything. Try and see how you feel because, you know, when you do science communication, you can only try it before you know if you like it or not. So that's the thing for um, speakers. But I would say as well for organizers, uh, it's really, really a great experience. We, what we try to give to um, the, the organizers is freedom on the evening. So obviously we want the evening to be kind of sense style. So we give them advice. We give them guidelines. Uh, we have everything ready for the nights if they want to. So usually the nights um, you have two talks and a break in between. The break can be either a pub quiz or any kind of, you know, fun thing happening. 
usually we have things ready. The quiz, for example, we prepare it. So if you don't have any idea, you just use the quiz uh, as you know as uh, given to you. But you also can do anything. So if you like improv, you can organize a science improv uh, as a break or things like that. And I think I heard from uh, organizers that they really loved organizing Pine to Sense because you actually get to organize your own events. You pick the pub you like, you pick the speakers you like and you want to see, and then you organize the evening, you know, pay, um, as you want giving the guidelines but still and then you see it happening and it's funny because some of the organizers that talked to me were like oh, you know people are coming to my nights and and I don't know them it's amazing <laughs> you have people coming to my event and you know it's not my mom or my girlfriend or my boyfriend it's you know it's actual people I don't know and usually they are super amazed because all those people they didn't know and they come for Pint of Science and they are super happy at the end and for them, it's amazing because it gives them an opportunity to experience science communication and organizing events and things like that. So I would say, you know, uh, if you're in a country that organizes kind of science, do it. Uh, if if you're if you want, really do it. And I'm not going to say that to do some promotion of kind of science. I'm going to say that really because I think it's an experience that it's worth trying at least once. Um, and and living because it's amazing uh, seeing that happening in all the countries at the same time. It's just it's just great. You're a fellow podcaster, as you mentioned yes. in the beginning. What is your podcast about? The podcast uh, that I'm involved with is called Podcast Science. So it's a podcast about science, uh, any kind of subject, and we're doing it every week. So weekly, we have a scientist uh, coming and talking about a subject. Um, it can be any kind of science. Uh, we really like all the subjects. We, we don't, you know, we don't uh, select only some kinds of, of science. It could be anything. And usually once a month, we have a, a freestyle episode, uh, which is more with um, people from the team that can be smaller chronicles. So usually it's an hour. Uh, and it's a, a guest that is talking about the research is doing or she's doing. And during the freestyle one, it's more like shorter chronicles about, I don't know, uh, women in science, uh, science communication, sometimes, uh, you know, funny science things we've, we've seen and things like that. Uh, it's in French. It's called post Podcast Science, sorry. Uh, so you can uh, you can Google it. It's 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 quite amazing. I don't have enough time at the moment to participate to every episode uh, as I wish I I, I could. Uh, but we are a team of I don't know. I would say around ten people. So it's not always the same person that is uh, the, the host of the night. It's not always uh, you know the same questions from the same people. So it's quite interesting to see different points of view uh, depending on the nights and who's there. Already during her days as a researcher, Elodie tried to explain her work to colleagues, friends and family, which made her conscious about how to communicate effectively. As a professional freelance science communicator, she wants to encourage scientists to share their stories and to demonstrate that scientists are approachable. She loves it when people understand what she's trying to explain. Elodie switched to science communication in 2017 after she had been organizing Pint of Science for four years already. She joined Pint of Science because she was interested in organizing events. And when somebody else quit, she took the opportunity to become part of the core organizer team. 
The work of a science communicator can be diverse. For a pint of science, LOD trains speakers and gives promotional talks. But she also speaks about science on podcasts and radio shows and trains scientists in public speaking and social media use. She was able to transition into freelance work relatively smoothly, but don't forget that she had established a profile over the previous four years, which was a lot of work. Pint of Science is an annual festival that was founded by Michael Motzkin and Pravin Paul. Every year in May, scientists present their research to a public audience in a pub or a bar. It started in the UK in 2014, and it's now spread throughout the world, with official events in 24 countries. In 2018, 120,000 people visited Pint of Science events. The events are planned by local teams, which make up the 3,000 volunteers. This year, Pint of Science will be on May 20th to 22nd. To find out whether there are events in your area, visit the website pintofscience.com. Since we recorded the interview, the programs went online. For the summary, links to Pint of Science and further readings, find the show notes to this episode on www.scienceforprogress.eu. If you have questions, critique or suggestions, get in contact by email info at scienceforprogress.eu or on social media at sci4progress for Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Please subscribe and rate this podcast on your podcast app and maybe write a review. This will really help us. My conversation with Elodie was relatively brief, but usually I have longer conversations with my guests. And you can listen to the extended versions of these episodes on Patreon. If you pledge about $6 or €5.40 per month, you get immediate access to all of these extended episodes, which go all the way back to September 2018. And if you don't like them, you can reduce your pledge or cancel. But I really hope to see you become a patron. Your support will help us keep going and continue to improve and grow. And there are more perks. Check them out on www.patreon.com slash sci4progress. I thank you very much for listening. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone.